Okay, welcome back to the Golf Preview Podcast and RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Nice to have you with us today. My name is Will Doctor, alongside James Ledbetter in his WGC Dell Match Play Week at Austin Country Club in Austin, Texas. After we spend a couple minutes reviewing our plays from Dallas Bar, we will pick one player from three or four groups that we'd love to get through their respective pools. Then we'll, we'll, we will pick two guys to make it to the final four. And finally, we will send you home with a winner for this week's event. Led, how's everything going, my friend? How'd the week go at Ballast Bar? It was a great week. You know, it was a fun tournament. We had a little playoff there, a couple of playoff. We had uh, JT. We had you know Sam Burns in the in the thick of it uh, till late. Um, in terms of my week, overall, pretty positive. Got off to a great start there with Johnny Vegas, first round leader, which was originally a uh, hundred to one. Ended up uh, tying with a couple other guys, but, you know, we'll take a 25 to one winner every single week for context. Sam Burns was 22 to one to win outright. So uh, yeah, we'll take it. Also in terms of the other stuff I had, uh, I had uh, Sam Burns over Matthew Fitzpatrick minus 110, uh, and then Russell Knox over Christian Bazudenhoit minus 110. Well, I took, I, uh, I think you took the other side of that one. It was, uh, I did. I did. You're the winner there. You're the big winner. Great work there. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was Knox from the get go. Bazunow barely made the cut. And, and the final round led. Yeah. Uh, Knox shoots four over and it got yeah. close. It got so, close. Yeah. That's what I was going to highlight there. Um, was really close to being like a great week. Uh, through three rounds, I had CT Pan sitting tied 21st going in that final round. He was plus 450, top 20, and he had a final round 74, which um, left him kind of way back there. And then Russell Knox, same thing. I had him plus 275, top 20, and he threw up a final round 75. I don't know if CT and, uh, you know, Russell went to Mons on Saturday night and just uh, always a play. On, couldn't That's recover all- on couldn't recover on Sunday. But uh, yeah, you know, for the most part, pretty good week, obviously. Winner on Thursday and then a couple of head-to-heads. Will, how'd your week go? Ah, the Mons Venus. I, I think maybe Adam Svensson uh, walked in there, led. I'm not sure. And, and Danny McCarthy, maybe the, uh, the Canadian-American duo went in there. My two horses for the week that unfortunately didn't hit. But no, overall, um, I can't be mad at last week. You know, I've now hit uh, five of my last six best bets uh, Kisner took down McCarthy at minus 120 last week. And then Shane Lauer recorded an easy top 20. It was, a, it was as easy as I wanted it to be, um, in the head to head sections. Um, I had Hadwin over Norin that came down to the wire, just like Zuden had over Knox did Hadwin was dropping a few shots there late. Norin made a nice run at the end, but luckily, uh, Hadwin got Norin by one spot. Hadwin finished T seventh. Norn finished T12th. Uh, Lowry over Coke Crack hit at the cut line. Uh, Jason went home early. Like I said, uh, those tight fairways with the long grown rough out at Innisbrook uh, was going to be poison for, for Coke Crack's game. You know, to the picks to place section, we lost uh, Louis top 20 and we lost Mackenzie Hughes uh, top 20. But like I said, I uh, have hit five of my last six best bets. So we're going to ride with that momentum going into the match play led. Yeah. And just, you know, taking stuff away from this event, we got to start taking, I mean, we always did, but really start taking Samuel Burns seriously yeah. now. Top 10 player of the world. I saw for the first time um, in the history of, you know, world ranking, uh, the top 10 now is 
average age under 28. So it's definitely a, you know, a young man's sport now, obviously yeah. you can still do it at 44 years old and stuff like that with the equipment. But, you know, for Sam Burns, three wins in the last 12 months here. Uh, and we saw the putting trending in the right direction. He was 22 to one to start the week. The reason we didn't play him was just the number. I think Vegas really saw how much his putter was heating up, you know, picking up 10 point, uh, six strokes putting at the Arnold Palmer and players leading into Innisbrook and then picked up another five strokes on the green at greens at Hop at Copperhead this week. So, uh, you know, with Sam Burns, you, you put some good putting with the ball striking that he normally brings to the table and, uh, he's going to win a lot. No doubt. And as far as my winner was concerned, my two winners, uh, for last week, obviously Jason Day missed the cut, not the week we were hoping for from him, but Matthew Fitzpatrick knocking on the door once again, finished fifth, uh, was right there at the end. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to keep, you know, actually not sprinkling him to win this week, but in stroke play events to come, um, I'm going to keep riding Fitzpatrick. I know uh, that his first win is right around the corner, Lud. Yeah, and Kepka, another guy to look at as a notable yeah. who kind of got back uh, got back to his normal ways with a little backdoor top 10 there on Sunday with a nice final round. But, you know, without further ado, Will, what's on the docket this week for the WGC Dell match play? Well, as far as, you know, what we're going to go over, uh, like I said, we're going to run through uh, we're going to run through four or five groups, uh, right, that we love. Uh, and one player from four or five groups that we love to get through their respective pools, um, uh, you know, and then we're going to pick two guys to make it to the final four. Uh, and finally, we'll send you home uh, with a winner for this week's event. Uh, we, we may get back with you on uh, Thursday or Friday to discuss kind of the elite eight and moving forward, maybe a quick 10, 15 minute pod there to give you. Uh, but as far as the field here, man, what a bunch of great groups, uh, Sam Burns, um, winner of last week and Cam Smith, winner of the players are out. Rory McIlroy is out this week. And of course, Phil Mickelson, who we just heard is not going to be at Augusta either, uh, is not going to make an appearance here at Austin as well. Yeah. He wouldn't, would he even qualify to be top 64 now with, I mean, with, yeah, you, I would miss have much, you miss that much time, right? I would, have, uh, I would have to look, but he's still the uh, the reigning PGA champion. Right? Yeah, you know? let us know that for sure. Yeah. yeah, so we have 64 of the top 69 players in the world teeing up this week. Well, like you said, Sam Burns out, Bryson DeChambeau in. Um, this is going to be his first event since January, I want to say, or at least the first event he's got planning to com- complete uh, since then. Uh, well, I want to say it's the only match play event of the year, really, besides the team events, when you think of the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. I absolutely love this week's format uh, in terms of gives a lot of guys who may not normally have a chance to win a chance to win. Obviously, tons of variants can happen here. Uh, you're always, uh, you know, the other your opponent getting hot away from, uh, you know, leaving early this week. Um well, I know they originally changed the format. I want to say might have been six or seven years ago now where uh, it used to be one play 64 first tee. Here we go. Um, and it would be, you know, let's say Tiger Woods versus like Nick O'Hearn or something. And if Nick O'Hearn got the broom putter cooking on the front nine, Tiger was going to be going home pretty early. Tiger's record actually to Nick O'Hearn. I'm pretty sure he's lost to him twice in this event. But I think the PJ Tour, they wanted their studs to – 
have a couple more rounds, literally uh, let the cream rise to the crop a little more. They don't want, uh, you know, Loyola, Chicago and, uh, you know, St. Peter's making final four runs. So that round robin format that we're going to start with the first 54 holes where, you know, groups of four, everybody plays each other once half a point for a have a point for a win format has had us have a little bit better matches leaderboards later in the day. Cause no one wants to see, you know, Victor Dubuisson versus Gary Woodland uh, in the final match. They'd rather have a, you know, a JT uh, uh, John Rom matchup or a Xander Colin uh, type matchup. So, um, well, it would be fun. I know you've been, uh, you know, writing those Monday Q articles and stuff like that. It would be fun if they had some sort of little four man, uh, you know, four spot qualifier to get some corn fairy guys in the mix here to see if they could uh, pull some early upsets in this kind of in this kind of event. I agree. I, I would love to see a guy like uh, Keir Detch, Appy Barnrat, um, vaping his way into the semifinals of the Dell match play. Uh, there's a couple other guys, you know, Patrick Flavin, uh, who, who's been uh, he qualified for Corral. Well, I actually get a sponsor's exemption into Corrales this week. Uh, but no doubt. I mean, it, it would be nice to see a couple of the St. Peter's um, nice to see a couple of the South Dakota states uh, get into this event. Um, we're going to have a couple of them where we have our fair share. Um, you know, I, I like Led said, the path for some of the stars, the Xander Shoffleys, the John Roms is going to be a bit easier this year, but we certainly have our crop of underdogs um, that are going to be in the mix. I mean, you have uh, this Scotty Scheffler group with Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood and Poulter, all part of the losing English team. They're going to try to gang up against him. Uh, you have Tom Hoagie and the defending champion Billy Horschel group um, and, and Peters Hoagie and Minwoo Lee. They're all going to cause problems for Horschel um, and, and a couple other ones. You know, you go down this list um, was Keegan Bradley's group. And we're going to talk a lot about today is that that's the Spieth group, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, Spieth group is Adam Scott, Justin Rose and Keegan Bradley uh, where, you know, a couple of dogs could pop up there. Yeah, so just recapping that format. So, you know, we have these 16 groups. Uh, guys are ranked 1 through 16 and then randomized from there. So everybody's going to play three rounds, play everybody once, and then, you know, you'll get your sweet 16 like you'd see a normal March Madness, and then we're going to go full-blown bracket, you know, one-and-done style. And that's where things really start to heat up. In terms of uh, our viewers and listeners, I would probably try to pay attention early uh, in this in this tournament, it's very similar to March Madness. You know, you have more groups, more matches, uh, you know, more matchups in the first couple of days of this event. And then, you know, Saturday, Sunday can get a little bit dull in the sense that you only have a couple matches going on at a time. You know, you're watching guys hit it to like 35 feet and it's the only uh, shot that was hit in the last three minutes. So they kind of have to show it. So same thing as that kind of first Thursday, Friday of March Madness. Make sure you tune in here uh, Wednesday, Thursday, because there will be a lot of golf going on. Uh, it, and, you know, one thing to really highlight is that 17th, 18th hole, a half point versus a full point, whether it's President's Cup, Ryder Cup, or WGC Dell match play, means a lot, especially in this kind of round robin format, because a half point could be the difference between you going home early and uh, and making it to the, to the you know, Elite Eight, Sweet 16 kind of thing. Uh, do you think, uh, you know, Zach Johnson and Luke Donald are going to be out there this week kind of monitoring some of the potential guys for the Ryder Cup? Of course, you know, you have to think a guy like Kevin Na, who's in the uh, pool with Joaquin Neiman, Russell Henley, and Maverick McNeely. You got to think 
he's going to be trying to make a point. Um, you know, we've talked about him a lot this year. Well, I have, I've talked about him a lot this year in the sense that he's really going to be trying, trying to make his first Ryder cup team this year. And then, you know, you have, yeah. so we got, we got president's cup this year, right. With Immelman and right. the other captain. Right. Stricker? Uh, yeah, no, uh, Immelman and Davis love the third. So the two captains for the president's cup will be, uh, Trevor Immelman and Davis love the third this week. Yeah. They're going to be monitoring that as well. Yeah, I don't know if they'll be out there with the uh, you know the non-roof carts. They love they love those uh, that that kind of transportation uh, during those match play events. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be you know watching on TV and looking closely at at some guys that you know potentially battle back from a three down through four kind of thing and see that kind of mental fortitude. <laughs> yeah, for for Emelman, maybe a guy like Aaron Van Royen, uh, and, and for. Uh, the future Ryder Cup captain and Luke Donald will be a young rookie named Robert McIntyre, who I think will be in the top 10 by that, by the, by the time that that comes around. Yeah. And we'll just, you know, we'll get into the golf course here in a sec. One more thing we want to just kind of mention is obviously it's match play format, completely different than uh, stroke play. Normally the players are playing the course this time. They just got to beat the, you know, it's like a head to head, right? You just got to beat the guy you're playing against. So you shoot 76 and he shoots 77. That's a, that's a winner, right? But uh, with that comes a lot of variance. You know, sometimes a guy's going to make four or five birdies in a row. Nothing you can really do about it. Uh, but, you know, I think with the round-robin format, for the most part, we should get the the players who play the best coming out of the group versus, uh, you know, some guy shooting. Unfor- unfortunately, the way match play works, right, is you can shoot seven under and lose. So, um, you know, we'll definitely look out for that this week. In terms of uh, the golf course, right, we're in Austin. We're at Austin Country Club. It's a 7,108-yard par 71 Bermuda Greens. It is the – I'm going to go with second oldest course in Texas dating back to 1899. Will, you have some information on the oldest course. There's been a little uh, fact-checking here this week. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've read, I've heard – uh, multiple people say that Austin Country Club is the oldest in Texas, and hate to be a hard ass here, led, but it's not. Um, it, you know, a Galveston Country Club, uh, down south, uh, just south of Houston. Uh, the first round was played there in 1898. So, um, and I don't even believe that Austin Country Club is the second oldest. There's some some disputes there. There's a course in Dallas that might have been second. Um, I, I certainly respect the history at Austin Country Club, and I respect yeah, Harvey, that. Yeah, Harvey Pennick, Harvey Pennick's old stomping ground. Tom Kite, um, yep, yeah, and um, a lot of history there. A lot of great players play there, but in fact, it is not the oldest golf club in Texas. That would go to Galveston Country Club. Yeah, so I mean, I've played this golf course in AJGA a long time ago, and honestly, it's like a top ten course for me, just from like a fun standpoint. Um, you know, you get the wind, let's say you got a 10, 15 mile an hour wind out there. That can be the difference between hitting four iron into one hole and then almost being able, being able to drive it the next day. Uh, the, the nines are kind of set up where the front nine is, you know, tons of undulation. You're, you know, you're hitting down 10 yards up 10 yards. Uh, and then the back nine kind of flattens out a little bit. It goes along Lake Austin and, you know, there's some Island greens. It's, it's a really fun track. So their course strategy is going to be huge this week, uh, which makes it just such a good match play course because, you know, if you're going first in the group and you have a drivable par four and you knock it in the water, you know, that maybe the other guy is going to club down a little bit, play a little smarter and, uh, you know, be able to win that win holes that way. So strategy is going to be huge, uh, keeping kind of a level head throughout. Will rest 
I think will somewhat be of a, a factor just because right, we're going to be playing 36 whole days the first couple of days here. So um, obviously something to, to, to look at if I Yeah, that, there's a couple guys in the field that have that had aggressive schedules through the, the, the Florida swing guy like Louis Oosthuizen, you know, a, do you question his longevity a bit? I think so. When it comes to this week, Guy like Paul Casey played an aggressive schedule around the Florida swing. Yeah, some some guys are playing off three weeks in a row, and these aren't uh, easy golf courses, right? You got Bay Hill, you got Players, you got you know Copperhead. Uh, definitely, some of them are uh, you know barely hanging on here. But uh, yeah, in terms of the golf course, we got a lot of reachable par fives, drivable par fours, double bogeys really lurking at every corner. You know, the the hole that stands out is that thirteenth hole, drivable par four. You know, if your ball three, carries three by seventeen a, over the water. Yeah, if your ball carries by a yard, you got a twenty footer for eagle. If not, you're beating. And there's you know there's a lot of shots like that this week uh, where you're really gonna you know distance control is gonna be, obviously uh, there's gonna be a huge emphasis on that. You know you can go eagle eagle or double double on a couple of these holes just based on a couple of feet. So that's always gonna make it really fun for uh, for match play. In terms of this course, you know I've heard different people talk about it. What who does it kind of favor? We've seen different types of winners here. We have the Kevin Kisner's, the Billy Horschel, which are known as you know obviously not the longest out there, but obviously control their golf ball. And then you have guys like Dustin Johnson, Bubba Watson, who have also um, won here. Um, only one player that was the favorite in their group, meaning like the top 16 ranked player from last year uh, during last year's event made it to the sweet 16. So came out of their group. So a lot of dogs, that, a lot of dogs, yeah, underdogs, which is quite surprising given the fact that it is round Robin. It's not like just this random, uh, you know, crazy March madness. People hit a couple threes and they win kind of thing. So I assume it's going to be a little more chalky this year, just based on the fact that <laughs> that was a, a, an outlier year. But uh, yeah, I mean, the course this weekend, you know, look for the big names to rise to the top here. And uh, well, without further ado, let's kind of get into those groups and some of the groups that you're liking. Yeah. Uh, so just one more time. So no one's confused. We'll pick one player from three or four groups led. I'm not sure how many groups you have. I have about three. Um, you have four. Okay. Uh, that and and these are players that we love to get through their respective pools. Uh, then we'll give you two guys to make it to the final four, and finally a winner. So, uh, led. I will start here with Tom Hoagie at plus two ten coming out of Group Twelve, um, and that's on that's on FanDuel, and uh, it's going to be Hoagie time in Austin. And you want to talk about a guy who. Um, has made a statement in the four weeks following his first win at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He finished 14th at Phoenix. Uh, he missed the cut at Genesis, but then finished 32nd at the AP Invite and finished third at the Players while losing almost five and a half shots on the green, according to Fantasy National. So finishing 33rd at the Players while putting horribly um, is very impressive, in my opinion. Um, and I think Austin Country Club is a place that Hoagie can dominate and his personality will absolutely thrive in match play because he's as about as even keel um, as they come on the PGA tour. Now let's take a deeper look at who Tom Hoagie will have to beat in group 12. We'll start with defending champion, Billy Horschel, who took down Scotty Scheffler in the finals at this event last year. Now 
Um, a lot of talking heads will be taking Billy Ho at plus 175 out of this group. But trust me when I tell you that this number is so inflated. And Billy Horschel's number this week is more inflated than the economy. It's more inflated than gas prices. Billy Horschel's number this week is more inflated than the amount of Californians moving to Austin right now. Do not take Billy Horschel at plus 175 in this group. Uh, he withdrew in his last start at the players due to being uh, worn out led, uh, which is strange to me. And, uh, you know, talk about being worn out. This tournament this week, the WGC match play is the marathon of the year on the PGA Tour. You, you don't want a guy who's getting worn out because of one rain delay. Uh, so, that uh, is, is the info as far as Billy Horschel is concerned. I love Tom Hoagie over Billy Horschel this week. The next guy Hoagie will have to take down is Thomas Peters. Now, all you need to know um, about Peters is since he won over on the DP World Tour earlier this year, he's missed two of his last three cuts, including the players, and his uh, ball striking has been you know, terrible, to say the least, unfortunately. And I question whether Tom, Thomas Peters is ready for the big moment here in the States and in major championship type events, including WGCs like we have this week. So he shouldn't be a factor for Tom Hoagie. And finally in group 12, Hoagie will have to beat 23 year old Minwoo Lee, who I believe will be a top 10 player in the world one day and already has a couple wins in the DP world tour, won the Scottish open last year, uh, but we'll just have a tough time in this group. Just a lot of, um, a, a lot of powerful players, a lot of veteran players who have plenty of match play experiences. It's good. That, that's going to be tough to handle uh, for Minwoo Lee. So, Led, my first pick is out of Group 12. It's going to be Tom Hoagie plus 210 on FanDuel. Love it, Doc. And then for my first group or first guy I like coming out of a group is uh, Group 15, which is consisting of Abraham Answer, Webb Simpson, Brian Harmon, and Bubba Watson. I'm just going to do a little process of elimination here. First off, we'll start with Abraham answer. More like Abraham question. This guy hasn't had a top 30 since the Mayakoba. Um, he's lost strokes on the greens in four of his last six. And he just hasn't really been like, you see Abraham answer. You see that name. You see the fact that he's obviously the kind of the favorite in that group, but you know, for the most part, hasn't really been playing like himself. And then we have a guy who like Webb Simpson, you know, hasn't won in a couple years here. Another guy where, uh, you know, you just haven't really heard much from him uh, in terms of, you know, there are these guys, whether they're Gary Woodlands or the, you know, even Bubba Watson, uh, I'm going to mention him in a minute, but they kind of, you know, golf is a game of ups and downs and Webb, Webb Simpson's just in kind of one of those uh, downs right now. Uh, in, in terms of the other guys in that group, we have Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon is coming off a top five at Innsbruck and a good showing at players. He is definitely one of the guys that I'm a little bit weary of in this group. Um, but, you know, the guy I ended up landing on for group 15 is Bubba Watson. Uh, you know, I like Bubba Watson to come out of this group for a number of reasons. He's a former winner at this event on this golf course. Um, obviously, he's so long off the tee. He's played a ton of match play in, the, in his career when you think of, you know, past Ryder Cups, President's Cups, you know. And I just think the fact that uh, obviously we know his game suits here. He's, he's won here. But the way this golf course plays, it does become a little bit of like Chambers Bay crazy golf when you think of, you know, there's a lot of tee shots where, you know, you're going downhill, uphill. And if you can hit a little bubba, low, skinny cut that, you know, goes 15 feet off the ground and ends up uh, greenside. They, you know, we have a lot of drivable par fours this week. 
when you think of him in a matchup with a Brian Harmon or a Webb Simpson or Abraham answer, not exactly the longest guys on tour. Bubba's going to have a distinct advantage from that, from that perspective. Um, Bubba is coming off a missed cut at the Valspar, but you know, for the most part, he has been playing more than he usually has. He has been ramping up. I'm not too worried about that missed cut. If anything, I think that gives him a little more rest coming into this week when, you know, versus a guy like Brian Harmon, who's got to kind of get on a plane Sunday night and jet out over to Austin. Uh, but yeah, a little revenge game this week. We have Bubba, Bubba loss actually to Brian Harmon in the Sweet 16 last year. So I do really think that, you know, this golf course just really suits uh, suits Bubba. And when you just look at these guys, yeah, Bubba doesn't have maybe the most uh, pedigree in the last kind of two years or so. But, you know, coming off a uh, runner up at Saudi, coming off a good uh, a good finish on the PJ Tour as well, I think he can really do well here. So for my four, first uh, guy I like coming out of group 15, it's going to be Bubba Watson at plus 250 on DraftKings. And great point there as far as, uh, you know, Bubba finding his mojo again here in the last year. I think uh, dropping Volvic, putting the Volvic deal behind him, uh, stopping the the yellow ball madness, stopping the the pink ball madness. Uh, Bubba really seems to be back on track um, as far as his golf is concerned. Uh, scary group there. Group 15, very scary. Answer it, is a, it is a scary group, but when you see – Abraham answer is a favorite obviously here, but when you just, and, and he's just, only, he really is only a favorite because he's a WGC winner. I mean, yeah. it, real, realistically, he is yeah. not, you're exactly right. He has not played well this year. Yeah. And for a guy like Bubbo, who just has that kind of effortless power. I mean, when you think of all these regional par fours and par fives, it's just like such an advantage that, um, you know, it's like, well, when you're normally playing golf and you get to a par five, you're kind of like, Hey, this is my time at time to kind of make birdie. And the fact that Bubba is going to be hitting six iron or seven iron to some of these par fives where maybe a guy like Webb Simpson can't even reach. I just think that's going to be a huge advantage a couple times around over that, over that entire group. I love it. I love it. So on to my next pick, it's going to come out of group 16. Um, now, Here's a group where I do love the favorite, and that's going to be Brooks Kepka plus 210 on FanDuel. Now, finally, last week, we got a solid performance from Brooks Kepka. He finished 12th at the Valspar, and that's his third top 20 in his last seven starts. Unfortunately, there's been two or three miscuts buried in between those events. He did have the miscut squeezed in there at the players, but what you need to understand is that he got absolutely screwed by the weather in that first round, just like the likes of Colin Morikawa, Xander Schauffele, and Patrick Cantlay. But, um, you know, Brooks's performance at the players, absolutely nothing to pay attention to. Let's look at Kepka's order of assignment this week. He'll go um, against Harold Varner and Eric Van Ruin. Neither one have much experience in match play and won't be a factor against Kepka. The guy we're going to have to worry about in Group 16 is Shane Lowry, who made me a lot of cash last week and who a lot of golf, golf analysts will be on this week, all for the right reasons. He's driving the ball well. He's hitting his irons great. Uh, he has a great track record in match play. Um, dating back to the Ryder Cups, you remember he was pretty much the only player on Team Europe who chalked up a win and on that Sunday at the slaughter at whistling straights in the last Ryder cup. But to me, this seems like the perfect opportunity to buy Kepka low. He's played wonder, wonderful WGCs over the years. 
And I think Brooks will elevate his game at the first WGC of 2022. So my second pick is coming out of group 16. It's Brooks Kepka plus 210 on FanDuel. Great work, Doc. And then for my next group, I have group number seven, and I have Xander Shoffley coming out of it. Now I'm just going to compare him to the other guys that are in that group. We've got Tony Finau, who's lost strokes on the greens in eight of his last nine starts, missed the cut in three of his last four starts. Uh, when we look at a guy like Lucas Herbert, only one top 10 since his win in Bermuda a couple months ago. Another guy here, we got Takumi Kanaya, missed the cut in six of seven of his last starts on the PGA Tour. So really hasn't had, obviously, much success over in the U.S. And, well, this is one that kind of just jumps out in terms of, you know, they're, when the brackets release in college basketball, you kind of see who kind of has an easy path, right? I think Xander has a pretty easy group and a pretty easy path kind of in that Elite Eight Final Four um, so this one really jumps out to me. It's actually going to be my best bet. It's Xander Shoffley plus 160 uh, on DraftKings. You know, before Xander missed the cut at the players, he had gained strokes tee to green in six straight events. And he's just really head and shoulders above, above the rest of this group in terms of recent play. Three top 20s and five starts highlighted by a third place finish at the Phoenix Open. So I think, yes, he is a favorite. You know, we're uh, taking a little bit of a hit there at plus 160, but I just see him coming out of this group down out of 10 times. So for that reason, he's uh, he's a cannot pass at Xander Schauffele, um is at plus 160. I love that pick led. Um, unfortunately, he's going to run into my guy, Alex Dorn, in the round of 16. We'll see how that one goes. Um, on to my next pick. We're looking at group 11. I think me and Led both looking at this one. It's going to be Keegan Bradley plus 280 um, on FanDuel. You have to love Keegan Bradley in group 11 this week. He's coming off a fifth place finish at the players. Got a nice rest week while uh, the rest of the guys were uh, struggling at Valis Bar. He could have won easily at the players had he not put on his second shot uh, in the water on the 18th hole. But on the bright side, it was his best finish ever recorded the players. And we're now starting to see a bit of resurgence from Keegan Bradley. Uh, you know, lead has been on this guy since the AP invitational where Bradley finished tied for 11th. And over the last 24 rounds, Keegan Bradley ranks inside top 10 in driving and approach. This is the style of game you want your money behind at Austin country club. Now let's go down the list of who the 2011 PGA champion has to beat in Austin this week. Uh, Jordan Spieth led. We'll start with Spieth, uh, a guy who, yes, is very familiar with Austin Country Club. Uh, he went to Texas, as everyone and their mother knows. But Spieth is still not as dialed as he wants to be. As you've heard me say week to week, I've had my concerns with the direction Cameron McCormick has Spieth going towards. I saw a video led of him warming up this morning, and he was swinging at the tempo of a guy like Sung J.M. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, certainly working on a couple of things. And, Will, I'm just, you know, cutting in here. Rather than us going over uh, this group twice, I'm on uh, Keegan Bradley as well. So, yeah, when you look at a guy like Jordan Speed, you know, one top 10 in P in the in, on the PJ Tour this season at Pebble Beach, which is kind of his stomping ground. Yeah. Uh, was able to kind of get the driver under control that week and got the irons going. But other than that, really haven't seen much of Jordan Speed. Honestly, if Jordan didn't have that runner-up at Pebble – 
the panic button would be hit by uh, you know a lot of the uh, news sources, but he's kind of hanging on to that. Uh, in terms of what he's done lately, he's lost strokes tee to green in three of his last six starts, and he's lost strokes on the greens in three of his last six starts too. So not exactly putting like we normally see with uh, with Jordan. And Spieth, you know, 95th on the PGA Tour in strokes gained approach, 142 in strokes gained uh, putting. Without his good iron play and flashy Spieth-like putting performance, I don't see how someone who drives the ball as suspect as Spieth competes again. Competes against a Keegan Bradley this week, and on top of all that, you know, I mean, Spieth has zero mojo coming into this event after a brutal miscut at the players, but led. I think the guy that Keegan's going to have to worry about most the guy that's going to be his toughest opponent this week over the course of the round Robin play is going to be Adam Scott. You know, he did have a good T four finish at the Genesis, but other than that, uh, he, he has not finished better than 26th in his last six events besides a good run of ball striking and putting for Adam Scott. Uh, I question if Adam Scott will score his golf ball this week underneath all of the sexy statistics that he's displayed over the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, well, he has been playing a little more consistently as of late. I don't know if it has to do with that beige Uniqlo sweater. He's been rocking, he's been rocking about eight days a week. Um, But well, yeah, he had a great finish at at Genesis there. Lots strokes, tee to green and back-to-back events though. So, you know, not exactly normal Adam Scott ball striking. We're normally accustomed to, and Will, if you just had to say from a putting standpoint of the guys in the field, he's probably a bottom five guy you want for a five footer to win a match in this format, would you say? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, there, there's no POA overseed as far as these Bermuda greens are concerned. Led, you've played this course. I've only watched it on TV, but I know as far as Bermuda greens are concerned with the undulation at Austin Country Club, they're some of the toughest on tour. Yeah, you know, there, there is a lot of slope out there. You know, we've got with Adam Scott. Is he going pin in or pin out? You know, it might depend if it's to have the match or to, to win it. Uh, you know, bit of a weird, obviously, putting. Take the uh, pin out for all for all the Barneys at the bar. It's time to take the pin out. COVID's over. 100%. So then, you know, the other guy that we're not really worried about is Justin Rose. Justin's missed the cut in two of his last three starts. You know, the only cut he made was at uh, – during those last three starts was at uh, Pebble Beach, and Peter Peter Jacobson was in the field to, to give you context for how strong that field was. And he, he finished like 60 seconds, so it wasn't exactly uh, a stellar performance either in the last uh, cut he made. Yeah, and a lot of the talking heads might make a case for Justin Rose just with all of his um, experience in match Gold play. medalist. Gold medalist, his experience in this event over the years, you know, the team format events – and he has proven to be solid in match play. But let's be honest with ourselves here. The chickens are coming to roost as far as the veterans are concerned for Team Europe. Uh, you know, Led and I, as far, you know, as far as Group 11 is concerned, we're all over Keegan Bradley plus 280 on FanDuel. Yeah, for sure. You know, Keegan is by far the most consistent ball striker in the group. Previous to missing the cut at Amersbrook by one shot, you know, like you talked about earlier, top, uh, you know, top five at players, 11th at Arnold Palmer. And it's not fluky. He's gained over 16 strokes tee to green in those starts. The one thing we normally might be a little concerned about is, uh uh-oh, he missed the cut last week, right? He shot two under instead of three under. Like we said, this this would have been his fourth event in a row. 
And the fact that he's going to be playing 36 whole days, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, I kind of like the fact that he got out of Tampa on Friday and he's well rested for this event coming forward. I think if you even ask Keegan, Hey, would you rather finish like tied 42nd last week or, you know, got rested up for, uh, for this big event? I think, you know, it's kind of one of those where obviously he's not going to withdraw if he's in the field on Saturday, but he's like, you know, Oh man, I missed the cut. Right. Kind of look at it. And then, yeah, just one more kind of, poo-poo stat on Justin Rose is he's lost over 10 strokes approach uh, in his last three events. So really struggling with the irons. Not going to cut it at ACC. And pretty much just eliminate him, honestly, in terms of like knock on wood, but those irons, you know, better get back on track because yeah. is he hitting his irons the way he, he is in match play. You need to make birdies. So he's just not going to be really giving him uh, much of a chance. But, but yeah, Keegan Bradley at plus 300 as the uh, kind of dark horse, dark horse of group 11. Absolutely love it. And on to uh, my uh, dark horse in a sense, not not because of the odds, but just a dark horse in this group as far as the odds are concerned. It's going to come out of group 10 for me. It's going to be Alex Noren plus 280 on FanDuel to come out of group 10. Now, if there is a guy on tour right now who continues to trend in the right direction week to week, it is 100% Alex Noren. He's been an absolute machine as far as the iron play is concerned. And look at some of the places that he's performed here over the past five events. T6 at TPC Scottsdale, T5 at PGA National, the toughest golf course on tour. 26 at the Players, TPC Sawgrass, a brutal week there. And then 12th at Valspar last week. I guess if the only thing you have to worry about is rest for Norn, but probably one of the better, uh, you know, in shape guys um, on tour and Norn, who, you know, like I said, um, is an underdog as far as this group is concerned. will make a big run at ACC this week. Enemy number one for Alex Norn in group 10 is going to be Louis Ustazen, who uh, finished T62 at Valspar this week. And across the board, Usti has played decent this week or this year, uh, per se, with a couple top 20 finishes on the West Coast. But I question Louis' ability to go the distance in match play after years of back injuries and has already played so much golf as we reach the 50% mark for this PGA Tour season. Um, enemy number two for Alex Dorn is going to be Paul Casey, who is one of the best iron players on tour right now. Let's be honest with ourselves. But I'm not convinced that he is driving the ball well enough uh, to get through uh, group 10 this week at ACC and sort of the same case, like I said, with Justin Rose, as far as team Europe is concerned with match play, the chickens are coming to roost with some of these veterans as far as team Europe is concerned. And last but not least in group 10, Nor- Norin will have to beat uh, Corey Connors, who is another great iron player in his own, his own regard, but has struggled on the greens three of his last five events. And he's missed 50% of his cuts in his last six starts uh, for my dark horse esque pick for this week. It's going to be Alex Norton at plus two eighty coming out of group 10. And you can find that bet on FanDuel. Love it, doc. Love it. And then for my, uh, you know, kind of dark horse here coming out of group three, group three consists of Victor Hovland, Will Zalatoris, Cameron Tringali and Seth Straka. Um, this is kind of a two parter here. Victor Hovland's chipping just absolutely scares the hell out of me, especially when you're going to be, you know, he's going to realistically have three matches where that's going to play a huge role in this, in this, uh, you know, first part of this golf tournament. Um, Will 
do we trust uh well sorry do we trust victor hovland to uh you know chip it inside 10 feet under the gun uh especially uh you know we get some you know you get some squirrely lies around here in austin for sure there's a lot of undulation a lot of runoffs uh you know you think of that uh that 18th hole there if you're a yard short kind of runs all the way back 30 yards down so i think compared you know short games to the rest of the guys in this group uh you know hovland's really no comparison uh, in terms of, you know, how he struggles to do it. And the guys I'm kind of liking to jump out here are, uh, you know, Will Zalatoris. So I actually like him to win this event. I know the putting is like incredibly sketchy. Well, uh, we can see this down the stretch where, you know, I can see this maybe on Saturday where there's a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, not a scandal, but like a little bit of an issue where maybe a player is making him putt an eight-inch putt because he has been a little squirrely on those. You know, so, sometimes when he's hitting those putts, it seems like he's uh, signing his name rather than uh, trying to tap in here. Uh, I'm, make, I'm making Willie Z to putt absolutely. If I'm if I'm gonna like Sepp Straka, mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm letting Will Zalatoris know on the first tee. Listen, uh, I'm not giving you anything this week, really, regardless of the distance. For sure. For sure. So, you know, from this, from this group and the whole thing about, uh, you know, Zalatoris, obviously we know putting is important in match play, right? You have to be able to kind of clean up from inside 10 feet uh, when that happens. The only time is really putting jumps out as terrible or is like the most scary is like two feet in. And hopefully he's, uh, you know, for the most part, pretty steady from there. But when you look at his long game, I mean, the guy's an absolute stud. And well, what we talk about with match play is, you know, it's really about, you're not playing the course, you're playing your opponent. So if you're just an elite ball striker and you're just pounding fairways, pounding greens and can keep the pressure up on your opponent, like eventually you can kind of wear them out with 15, 20 footers for birdie. I don't care if you can, uh, you know, the putter isn't, uh, you know, Sam Burns level, let's say, but, you know, just looking at the other guys in this group, um, we have Cameron Tringali. I mean, has that guy ever played well in a big event in his life? No. Uh, no, I mean, the guys that Bermuda, you know, maybe Pebble Beach, uh, Pro-Am God uh, kind of thing. He was um, ranked 51 in the world going into this week, which means he missed his master's invitation by one. And a guy like Tringali, this happens every year. He's only played in the master's in once back in 2015. Oh, that's, and, uh, that's a killer. You got to feel bad yeah. for the guy. But as far as our money is concerned, it's not safe with him. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think he's uh, – I don't think he's going to get that master's exemption this week uh, through this gauntlet at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, you know, he's got a couple more chances here before Augusta. So yep. best of luck to him. But yeah. And then one other guy in this group, Sepp Straka plus 400, who's on FanDuel. You know, Sepp is interesting to me. So, you know, this is kind of our dark horse pick. And pretty much what I'm doing here is just kind of fading the favorite, Victor Hovland, uh, who's just been struggling way too much with his short game to kind of trust him in, in matches, especially late. But when you look at a guy like Seth Straka, obviously recent winner at the Honda, you know, done that with mostly ball striking, but also been putting better as of late. Also kind of had a little sneaky top 10 at players that not many people are talking about. So at that number, plus 400, um, you know, you got Will Zalatoris plus 250 on FanDuel. You know, feel free to kind of sprinkle those, you know, even in those first couple matches, if you can get, uh, you know, versus Hovland at a decent number. I think those guys might be able to jump on uh, Hovland early in the match and maybe hang on down the stretch there. So, you know, for my kind of two kind of dark horse picks from that group three, it's going to be Will Zalatoris plus 250 FanDuel and uh, Sepp Straka plus 400. I love that Sepp Straka pick. 
And if you're looking for your St. Peter's comparison this year, it's going to be Sepp Straka uh, coming into the WGC Dell match play. <clears throat> Led on to my players, two players to make it to the top four, the final four, and our one player to win. I'll get us started, started off here. My first player to make it make it to the final four is going to be Patrick Cantlay at plus 500 on DraftKings. Uh, people will be off Patrick Cantlay this week because he missed the cut of the players. Like I said, you should not pay attention to that because he was one of the players that got absolutely screwed in the draw when it poured Friday afternoon um, in Jacksonville and it rained all day Saturday Um and the tournament, of course, like you know, eventually got postponed to Monday. But, like, you know, the point is you don't you don't have to pay attention to that for Cantlay. It was kind of a washing event for him. Now, remember, Cantlay, he started this year with three top tens in a row. This then struggled with his irons a bit at the Genesis. But the bottom line is Cantlay has now been part of a winning President's Cup team in 2019 and part of the 2021 Ryder Cup slaughter at Whistling Straits and uh, Patty, Patty Ice is an absolute lock to make it to the final four this week. That's going to be Patrick Cantlay, top four, plus 500 on DraftKings. My next finish, my next player to finish in the top four is going to be Brooks Kepka at plus 700 on DraftKings. Now, big game Brooks is going to step up to the table this week. We are finally back to the WGCs and the major championship season where Brooks Kepka always seems to step up to the plate he has over the last four years. We're going to keep riding him this year. I especially love Brooks in match play because he doesn't have to worry about posting a score. Uh, he can just focus on beating the guy in front of him. You know, like Led said at the beginning of this podcast, guys like Brooks Kepka, they could fire a 78 with eight to nine birdies and get through their match. And I, and I see Brooks, Brooks Kepka as the player to do that. And with that being said, I see him as the player that wins this golf tournament. And you can find that ticket, Brooks Kepka, 30 to 1 to win at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, it took everything, took everything in my power, Doc, to not take Matthew Wolf this week, knowing that just, you know, a quad or, a, you know, an 11 is just, uh, you know, pretty much the same as a bogey this yeah. week. Um, it's a great angle. Up. It really is. One of the cool things about match play, if Matthew Wolf ends up winning, then I'm going to be rattled because I'm going to pass on him because, uh, you know, if you're having two or three of those big numbers around can kind of just throw you off from uh, obviously means you're not hitting it too great. Yeah. Uh, but well, I'm kind of combining my kind of picks to win picks to place here. Um, and kind of the whole theory process I kind of went through on, you know, on these guys is who's, who's a guy that's just like due to win. You know what I'm saying? When you look at a guy, the first guy on that list is Justin Thomas at 15 to one on FanDuel. Uh, you know, he's coming off a tied third at Valspar five top fives in the last seven months without a win. Right. He's a, he's another guy like, like a John Rahm, right. Who's just like not exactly sacking up the trophies as of, as of late, like we, yeah. would, we would normally see he's leading the tour in bogey avoidance. I think that's a huge thing this week, especially just the fact that, you know, you're going to force your opponent to win with birdies. If obviously you're not making bogeys very often, he's picked up 10 shots off the tee and 10 shots approach in his last three events alone, you know, 13th off the tee eighth approach relative to the field. So I think JT hoisting this trophy, I can kind of see it, you know, it's kind of similar to where I kind of saw that uh, Johnny Vegas first round leader. I was texting a couple of my buddies. I just, I just see it. I just see it. And I kind of see JT 
Um, sometimes it takes one of these, you know, different formats for these guys to kind of get across the line, but that same kind of ideology I'm going to use for a couple more of these guys. Who's another guy, Will, that, or who's another guy that we just think should have won more by now? And another guy on that list is uh, Will Salatoris, right? So he's 22 to one. He's plus 750 to top four here. He's 10th off the T seventh approach. He's picked up strokes T to green in uh, his last five starts, highlighted by a runner-up at the Farmers and a sixth at the Amex. You know, he's, he's well-rested off a 26th place finish at the Players, skipped Innisbrook. You know, obviously a lot of golf going to be playing this week. Uh, you know, with his ball striking, he's just a menace in match play. You know, he puts so much pressure on the guy, like I talked about it earlier, just pounding fairways, pounding greens. Well, when you're on the eighth hole here and he's, you know, you just suck it inside 20 feet on his first seven out of eight holes, that can just kind of make you want to, you know, curl up uh, if, yeah. you're his, if you're his opponent. I think he can do that to other people. Um, another kind of thing I see is that whether it's on a Saturday and we're kind of seeing him have that two-footer and the guy's kind of going back and forth, that would uh, that would great, make for great television. Maybe we got a little uh, Coach K scenario here where we get a couple good calls, right, in terms of they want to see him on the weekend. Yeah. That would just be the all-time Twitter blow-up, right, is when uh, – when uh, Zalatoris is looking at his opponent, like you're going to make me putt that. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen too. Like I said, if I'm Sepp Straka, if I'm Cameron Tringali, I'm not giving him a thing all week. Yeah. And he, like we said, your top four for a top four finish, he's a uh, plus seven fifty at DraftKings. I think that's a pretty good number. Tough to pass up on. And another guy who might be the most due out of this group, Xander Shoffley, 24 to one. His top four is plus 350. He is 24th off the tee, 14th approach. You know, he had a 13th at the Genesis, a third at the Phoenix Open. Got murdered by weather at the players. Not really too concerned about it. I think he made an eight on the 18th hole there, which kind of made his week a little shorter than he it wanted he wanted it to be. Um, you know, before that players where the uh, where the crazy weather came in, he had picked up strokes tee to green in seven straight events. And, Doc, this man loves limited fields. Absolutely loves them. Former Tournament of Champions winner, Olympic gold medalist. So solid throughout the bag. I don't know what it is that he likes these smaller events. I don't know if he's a, he's a guy who really likes the, his spot on the range and just doesn't like those, those 144 with those 155 guys in the field. Just, you know, he may, he may – the fact he's going to have his choice this week, right, uh, pretty quickly there. He will be down to 16 guys on the range uh, by Friday. But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I called Xander, Xander, sorry, I called Abraham answer Xander light, uh, to the fact that he's so solid throughout the bag, but let's get the full, uh, the full bud, uh, sorry, the full Budweiser version of, uh, Abraham answer this week. Um, and the, the main, the main thing I like about it, about this pick is just the fact that when you look at his path, uh, to the, uh, you know, the final four, right. So we're starting off here. He's in that pretty soft group with uh, Tony Finau, Lucas Herbert, uh, and uh, sorry. Well, what's the pronunciation on this guy? Takumi Kanaya, right? That's the fourth guy in this group. Yeah. So it. if he gets if he gets through that, then he's looking at potentially a matchup with a you know a Louis Ustazen or a Paul Casey. He gets through that, and really, until uh, don't get- sleep on my guy Alex Noren. I mean, you know. Uh, Xander versus Norin, what a what a showdown that would be without Norin's playing. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Right, he's the the you know I'm not worried about guys who are the fourth the fourth best ranked player in their group, right? 
But <laughs> no, but realistically, Xander's not really playing a top tier stud till the Elite Eight, which would be Colin Morikawa if he makes it through, uh, you know, my little upset pick of Bubba Watson there. So I just really do like, uh, you know, more than the other picks for the most part, I just like his path to, to getting to that top four uh, plus 350 and then to potentially winning at 24 to one for uh, Xander Shoffley. And those can be uh, found on DraftKings. Wonderful, Led. Now, before we take off, I do have um, a couple groups that you should steer away from, that there's just so much consistency in a couple of these groups that there's no reason for you uh, to bet it across the board. We'll start. I'm, I'll start here with group six, um, and that's going to be Justin Thomas, Kevin Kisner, Mark Leishman, and Luke List. Obviously, as, uh, as James said, the likelihood is JT is going to make a deep run in this tournament. Uh, he's been knocking on the door for weeks and weeks now, um, you know, and wouldn't want to bet against him there. But then you have Kevin Kisner, who's won the event in 2019 and has another second place finish at this event. Extremely consistent. He's a dangerous factor in group six. Mark Leishman, a guy who has uh, plenty of experience for the team international as far as the President's Cup is concerned. Wouldn't want, to bet, wouldn't want to bet against him. And then as far as the, the statistics are concerned on the PGA Tour, Luke List is one of the top five ball strikers on tour right now. Um, so group six, extremely tough group to bet on. I would stay away from that group. And the other one is group two. You're going to want to stay away from group two. Obviously, it features Colin Morikawa, who uh, either him or JT, I'm having a tough time uh, – picking one of them week to week as far as the best ball strikers on, on tour are concerned. Uh, but you have Colin Morikawa there. Then you have Jason Kokrak who won at Colonial and then he won at the Houston Open. Obviously, he's carrying some mojo as far as tournaments in Texas are concerned. So, you know, that, that's a tough guy to bet against. Then you have Sergio Garcia, who's made it to the round of 16, eight years in a row. That's a tough one to bet against. And then... The fourth guy in group two is Robert McIntyre, who you would think, you know, who's this guy, you know, easy to bet against there. Not so fast. Finished T15 at the Genesis on a sponsor's invite. I hit a top 20 ticket on Rob Mack. I'm sorry. I hit a top Scottish ticket there on Rob Mack um, at the Genesis. And then he has two top 10 finishes at WGCs and five appearances in his young WGC career. So group two with Morikawa, Kokrak, Garcia, and McIntyre is the other one that you should stay away from as far as groups are concerned at the Dell Technologies uh, match play this week. Led, uh, you got anything else uh, for the listeners regarding this week in Austin? Yeah, just, you know, well, just, I know it's kind of a weird week in terms of the, uh, just from a betting standpoint, I just, I was just going to recap kind of what our best bets were. I was, my best bet was going to be Xander Shoffley coming out of that group at, um, plus 160 on DraftKings out of the Tony Finau, Lucas Herbert, and Takumi Kanaya group. And then, uh, Will, did you end up having kind yeah. of a final four or a, a championship match uh, based yeah. on your bracket? Yeah, so my best bet, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't give that out. My best bet's going to come out of group 12. It's going to be the Tom Hoagie plus 210 ticket on FanDuel. Um, you know, and that'll be, he'll be facing Minwoo Lee, Thomas Peters and depending defending champion, Billy Horschel. Yeah. As far as my, my final four is concerned, um, on, I, I will have Kepka versus Cantlay on one side 
and I will have Justin Thomas versus Alex Noren on the other. And I predict it's going to be Kepka versus Justin Thomas in the finals with Kepka coming out on top. And for the third place match, I have Patrick Canlay versus Alex Noren uh, with Patrick Canlay coming out of that match led. Yeah. And for my final four, I have John Rom, Scotty Scheffler, runner up from last year, Scotty Scheffler. And then uh, Xander Sh- on the other side, Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas um, with uh, Xander Shoffley getting it done, hopefully at, uh, at uh, 24 to one. <laughs> and that will do it. Uh, but, well, great work today, Led. That will do it here on the Golf Preview Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview for WGC Dell Match Play Week. Uh, we will see you next week for the Valero Texas Open if we don't see you again after the Elite Eight of the WGC Dell Technology Match Play. Uh, Led, great work today, and best of luck, everyone, with your picks. Let's do it. Uh, survive in advance, right? That's the, that's the March uh, slogan. That's right. Perfect timing for this event. I love how they queued up every year with the March Madness. We've kind of missed the college March Madness the last two years because of COVID. Um, it, it's going to be nice. Action-packed weekend, Led. Action-packed weekend. Who do, you, who, who do you have finishing this off for the, uh, the NCAA Men's March Madness? My bracket is so busted. I've, um, uh, I don't know. I was looking at a couple different teams. I kind of like UCLA to you know, potentially just keep that run going. Um, but what do we have some big – we have a big matchup coming up with uh, – we've got Gonzaga and uh, versus Arkansas. I think Gonzaga just absolutely just murders them uh, based on uh, – Arkansas is a little, little suspect, a little ugly ball. I think Gonzaga is going to uh, slice them open. So I like, uh, you know, we'll take, we'll do a little pick there. I like Gonzaga minus eight and a half. Wow. Wow. My, uh, you know, I, I think the champion uh, is going to come out of the sweet 16 game between Villanova and university of Houston. Um, you know, I, I think it'll come out of there and I, I see Villanova uh, finishing this thing off. So there's our one uh, little pick for the college basketball. And Led, we'll see you next week for the Valero Texas Open. Sounds good.